Kia ora, I'm Damien Venuto. It's May 30th and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. The Labour Party had their Congress over the weekend with a key focus on superannuation and apprentices. It was their first gathering since the departure of former Prime Minister and popularity magnate Jacinda Ardern. This was PM Chris Hipkins' moment to shine, and his team came out swinging against the opposition. But the National Party also made a grab for the spotlight by pulling support for the bipartisan plan for joint housing accords. Who came out stronger? And do the would-be governing parties have their eye on the minor parties who may decide election 2023? Today, on the front page, NZ Herald political editor Claire Trevet cuts through the party PR and bluster to reveal the reasons behind the political moves. Claire, what was the mood at the Labour Party Congress over the weekend? It was pretty upbeat, actually. Members, people were watching them fairly carefully because it's the first time they've had a big thing kind of without since Jacinda Ardern stepped down and Chris Hipkins took over. So they were pretty well aware that we would be kind of watching to see how they responded to Hipkins. And I think that the fact that it had been four months had given them enough time to get through what one of them described as a kind of grieving process. And, yeah, they were pretty receptive and keen on um, showing that they kind of were still had fight in them. They know Hipkins very well. He's been involved with the party for a long time and an MP for a long time, so they know him fairly well. And there was, there was quite a degree of fondness for him, so that kind of came across. It wasn't the same as the Jacinda mania kind of stuff, but it, it was never really going to be because it's not his style anyway. Nisa Bula. Namaste, assalamu alaikum, ni hao, or as we say in the hut, g'day everyone. <laughs> 126 days ago, I had the tremendous honour of becoming the leader of the New Zealand Labour Party. And three days after that, the enormous privilege of being sworn in as New Zealand's 41st Prime Minister. In taking on the greatest and most important job I will ever have, I am only too aware that I stand on the shoulders of giants. Some of the MPs did also show their teeth. We saw a few attack lines come from some of the people speaking. Are we finally seeing the gloves coming off in the lead-up to the election? Yeah, there was quite a lot of focus on that, especially on the Saturday, actually, when Carmel Cipollone and Calvin Davis and Grant Robertson all spoke and had a big dig. They started it off by tallying up what the National Party's policy that it doesn't like to advertise does, which is raising the super age to 67 from 65, admittedly a long time into the future. Today, Labour is drawing a line in the sand. Unlike National Enact, today I am confirming that we will not be lifting the age of eligibility for New Zealand superannuation. So they started off on that attack, kind of part of the aim of it was to try and point out to people these are the policies of the other side and this is what it will mean if you vote for them instead of us. So for Labour this time it was almost more about trying to trying to show people, or scare people basically into not voting for National and Act because of what it would mean for them in the long run. This superannuation announcement was the big one from Labour. Is that a smart move to differentiate them from National on that topic? 
I mean, it's kind of a political short-term stout, isn't it? Mm. There's, that both parties have at some point in their lives had a policy of raising super to 67. Labor dropped it because it was part of a suite of when it was in government, it had that as a policy, and then it dropped it when it shared all the policies it thought was stopping it from winning an election. The super one came a cropper along with the capital gains tax. And then, remember, Bill English restored it to National's portfolio in 2017 after John Key before him, for the same reasons that Labor did, had said that he would not raise the age of super under his watch. So the moment he left, that was kind of one of Bill English's first moves was to say, I'm bringing back the raise in the super age. The change will bring New Zealand into line with other countries like Australia, the United Kingdom, Denmark, Germany and United States, which are all moving to the age of 67. The change will initially save about $4 billion a year. National does it in a kind of way that they're hoping voters won't notice. I, could, I couldn't find it on their website, to be honest. And they do it so far out, so nothing would actually happen for about 20 years after they pass legislation to raise it. So their plan is to pass legislation which says we'll start to raise the age incrementally from, from 20 years' time. So they quietly also changed their dates over the weekend. So last November, Christopher Luxon had said that the super age would raise again. They were sticking to the original Bill English plan, which was to start raising it in 2037. And then Nicola Willis's press release came out on Saturday, and that said that they would start to lift it from 2044. And so they've already pushed it out seven years from when they had originally intended to raise it. And she said that that was because the operative part was that it would be 20 years from when they passed the legislation, which now wouldn't be till after they potentially win the election. Isn't it a bit politically deceptive here from both National and Labour, given that they're kicking the can down the road on something that every expert that you speak to suggests needs to change as soon as possible? Uh, it's not every expert that you'd necessarily, that you could think of. It's uh, the bean counters. So the Retirement Commissioner, for example, has said that it should stay where it is because... As you know, it's universal and Māori and Pacifica and women would be the ones who end up missing out if they raise the age. So there's a kind of equity argument in there as well as an economic one. Do you think that the fact that Labour previously called for the super age to be raised opens an attack line against Hipkins? Uh, no. Wanting to raise the retirement age is not something that political parties tend to advertise. Mm-hmm. So. What they can say is, well, he's been fiscally irresponsible, but the whole point of it is advertising that National wants to raise the super age. National clearly don't want people to be thinking about that because it's a very low-profile policy of theirs, hence its absence from their advertising material and stuff like that. So it's more that they won't want it to be highlighted because if they start attacking Hipkins over it, then they are only highlighting that they intend to raise it. Mm. And with them, there's the added uncertainty of the ACT Party who want to raise it a lot earlier than National does and whether or not National will have to move it forward as part of their post-election negotiations. I mean, it is what it is. It's, it's always been a political football, and it, I suspect it will stay that way for a very long time. If you're enjoying this episode of The Front Page, brought to you by the New Zealand Herald, make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcasts. 
Today I can announce that if re-elected, Labor will make the Apprenticeship Boost program permanent. It's a serious commitment and it will give confidence to many employers to keep hiring, many of them, many of them, small businesses. It will reinforce our strong message to school leavers and affect a message to all New Zealanders that under Labour, the party of apprenticeships, the trades are a great career opportunity and we will back you all the way. The other big announcement was that the apprenticeship program would be made permanent. Do you think that this is a vote getter? I wouldn't say it's a vote getter, but it's not a vote loser either. I mean, it is, it's a very good policy. It's been very successful. It's boosted the number of apprentices in key areas of trade, like, you know, the tradies where we, there's a big shortage in terms of building, both building new builds and um, just general plumbing and sparky and all that kind of stuff work. That has been very successful. It was a creature of the COVID period and it's also very solid labour policy in terms of upskilling people. It ticks their jobs one. It ticks the kind of young people one. It is effectively a business subsidy. It gives them 500 bucks a month, I think, for every apprentice they take on. But it has resulted in a lot more increases to the apprenticeship stock and businesses like it, the small tradie businesses and the big ones and the tradies like it. So it's helpful to them in in terms of the tradie vote and the apprentices vote, but it's not new. National didn't sit on its hands over the weekend. They announced that they would be pulling the plug on the bipartisan housing accords. Was this a shock? Uh, It wasn't a shock. It um it was done partly, I suspect, as an attempt to try and spoil whatever Labour was going to do on Sunday. So National made the announcement on Sunday morning on the television programme Q&A. National Party housing spokesperson Chris Bishop. We've always said we were open to sensible changes. And actually what we've come up with, I think, is a far more ambitious package. It says to councils, you can choose how your cities grow. You can either do greenfields or you can do density or you can do, in reality, a mixture of both. Luxon had mentioned it, as we wrote in the Herald last week at a public meeting, he was asked about it and he had said he had he had pretty much signalled that they were going to scrap the medium density provision as part of their wider housing policy. It has been talked about for quite some time now, kind of behind the scenes in National. Some people have portrayed it as a kind of off-the-cuff policy from Luxon, a policy shift that he's kind of just blurted out at the public meeting and so they've had to make it happen. That's From what I can gather, that is not true at all. They have been, like I've known for some months that they've been looking at, at scrapping that. I was more surprised when they signed up to it in the first place, to be honest. It didn't seem like something that the National Party would have done because it upsets a lot of their constituents. And so I'm not surprised that they had scrapped it. It was interesting because they did have that massive stage show of bipartisanship over it and, and now they've just scrapped it with a buy your leave and, and are refusing to talk to Megan Woods about what they might replace it with. So you can see that I'm joined here by Judith Collins and the Housing and Environment spokesperson. So just um, some of the detail, which oh, I'm sure... Oh, oh, sorry, Nicola. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. Today is a good day. New Zealand's two major political parties are joining forces to announce much-needed and long-awaited changes that will make it easier to build new housing in this country. 
doesn't this make Luxon's deputy Nicola Willis look bad, given that she helped negotiate those accords? Well, I'm sure it didn't happen too easily within National. I'm sure there was a bit of pushback on it. Megan Woods has sent a rather biting letter to National, actually, about them backing out on it, pointing out that they wrote some of the provisions in the law change that covers it and saying this legislation is not Labour's alone. It is both Labour's and National's and saying that National have now stripped certainty out of what was quite a big area of certainty for property developers and councils and stuff like that. Nicola Willis has said that she was never that fixed on the medium density provisions. That wasn't a national proposal. That was something that they ended up agreeing to as part of the compromises. It was put up by officials and she had argued at the time for more flexibility on that. So it does risk looking like that. Like Some have seen it as Luxon overriding Willis and all that kind of stuff. But I would say that political reality also came into bear and the other party involved in all of this is, of course, the ACT Party, who opposed it from the beginning and still oppose it and are now standing Brooke van der Velden in the Tamaki electorate where it is a big issue and they are campaigning solidly on the medium density stuff. So National don't particularly want to lose even more votes to the ACT Party than they already have. Claire, you wrote that there were no new ideas at this Congress. So why are the two major parties seemingly so hesitant to have some fresh opinions this year? I suspect part of it is because it's not close enough to the election yet. National have been putting out new policy. I'm not necessarily accusing them of no fresh ideas. Labour, on the other hand, the reason that they gave for the style of the policies that they had was that they've just had a budget and... They've announced some new things in the budget, so they're letting that have breathing room and they don't want to announce even more. They thought it would look a bit weird if they had the budget and said, this is what we're doing, and then a week later said, oh, and this is what we also want to do, but we haven't done in the budget kind of thing. So it's partly the proximity to the budget and the distance from the election campaign. I would have thought, to be honest, because Hipkins is a new leader, that they would have come out with something new, even if it was only small, something new and kind of Hipkins-ish, just to distinguish himself and kind of launch his leadership a bit more. Do you think that there's an element at play here where they've both accepted that a majority isn't likely and that they're really sticking to those median voters and letting the minor coalition parties come up with new ideas? Well, I think they've all accepted that a majority government is is very, very, very unlikely. They're all talking about a genuine MMP election this time. I don't think that means they're willing to give the small parties the run of the playing field, and National in particular has taken on some policies which are more skewed toward ACT than the centre. But their job is to kind of grab the centre, and both of them are trying to grab the centre because that is where the election will be won. It's not on the margins. Claire, looking ahead, how likely do you think a hung parliament is this year? Well, the chances of it have gone up in the Herald's poll of polls to, I think, about around about 23% or something. It's a very small number. The fact that the likelihood is that high now indicates how close the election is shaping up to be, unless some trends start to come through from here on in. I mean, that involves a very precise number. It involves both sides getting 60 seats each. So there's literally one seat in it. So a Māori party overhang, for example, could stop it being a hung parliament. That's how tiny the increments are when you're talking about a hung parliament. So I don't think it's likely personally. I think that over the campaign, 
trends do start to happen and momentum builds for one side or the other and it starts to increase out a bit. That may not happen, so I also would not say it's an impossibility. Thanks for joining us, Claire. That's it for this episode of The Front Page. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. The Front Page is produced by Sean D. Wilson with executive producer Ethan Sills. I'm Damien Venuto. You can follow The Front Page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in tomorrow for another look behind the headlines.